Welcome to the Parkcast series, episode 37, Mental Health of Children and Youth, an Overview. The Parkcast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This podcast gives a quick overview of mental health disorders of children and youth, discussing reasons why children and youth living in out-of-home care may have higher mental health diagnoses than the normative population, and introduces potential treatment options. Mental Health Profiles of Children and Youth General Population In Canada, it has been found that approximately 14 to 20% of children aged 4 to 17 years experience a mental, emotional, or behavioral disorder that is severe enough to affect their day-to-day functioning at home or at school. It is normal for children and youth to display different types of emotions, behaviors, and thoughts at different points in time. However, persistent behaviors that impact a child or youth's overall functioning for a longer period of time may need to be evaluated by a mental health professional. The following groups of disorders can be found in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5, and are often identified as the most prevalent mental health diagnoses of children and youth. For more information on diagnostic criteria for each disorder, please refer to the DSM-5 itself or consult a mental health professional. Anxiety Disorders As a group, anxiety disorders are the most common mental health problems that face children and youth. It has been estimated that between 6 and 13% of children and youth in the general population are diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders are often characterized by persistent and exaggerated worry and tension over everyday events. Within this group of anxiety disorders, children may also experience intrusive and unwanted repetitive thoughts and behaviors, such as those associated with obsessive-compulsive disorder, or feelings of extreme fear and dread that strike unexpectedly and may lead to intense physical symptoms, such as those associated with a panic attack. Those children and youth who have been exposed to a traumatic event may also develop post-traumatic stress disorder which is characterized by the repeated re-experiencing of the frightening ordeal with intrusive thoughts and memories. Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, or ADHD, is diagnosed in approximately 5% of children in Canada, which aligns with the worldwide population prevalence of 5.29% that was found in a systematic review and meta-regression analysis. The core symptoms of ADHD include developmentally inappropriate levels of attention, concentration, and distractibility. Youth who have been diagnosed with ADHD also have higher levels of activity and impulsivity than peers their age. Impairments associated with ADHD are usually visible across both home and school settings and can have negative effects on academic performance and social-emotional development if left untreated. Depression and Mood Disorders Depression and Mood Disorders are diagnosed in approximately 3.5% of children in Canada. Depression and Mood Disorders adversely affect mood, energy, interest, sleep, and overall functioning. As opposed to normal experiences of sadness or passing mood states, symptoms associated with depressive disorders are often characterized by extreme and persistent feelings of sadness that significantly interfere with day-to-day functioning. Bipolar disorder, defined by continuous cycling between manic and depressive symptoms, 
would also fall under this category. Schizophrenia typically appears in later adolescence and adulthood, but is diagnosed in approximately 1 in 1,000 children in Canada. This chronic and potentially debilitating disorder is characterized by hallucinations, false beliefs, and disordered thinking. In the past decade, researchers have begun to make significant progress in understanding this disorder and the genetic and environmental factors that may interfere with early brain development. Behavior disorders are a group of disorders that are characterized by disruptive, aggressive, and non-compliant behaviors. Oppositional Defiant Disorder, or ODD, is diagnosed in about 5 to 15% of children and youth in Canada and can often begin as young as preschool age. Children with ODD can often be irritable, moody, vindictive, and defiant, and these behaviors can occur in a mild, moderate, or severe form. Conduct disorder is diagnosed in about 4% of children and youth in the population and is characterized by prolonged antisocial behaviors. Children and youth diagnosed with conduct disorder display behaviors that are more extreme and less socially acceptable than ODD. Examples of behaviors include breaking rules, aggression towards others or animals, truancy, fire setting, compulsive lying, and destroying of property. Autism and other pervasive developmental disorders. These are diagnosed in approximately 0.9% of children in Canada. This diverse group of neurodevelopmental disorders is typically characterized by impairment with social interaction, verbal and nonverbal communication, and restricted and repetitive behaviors. This highly variable diagnosis can range from mild forms of autism to severe forms of autism. Symptoms are often recognized by caregivers during the first three years of the child's life. With early and intensive treatment, many children can improve their abilities to relate to others and strengthen communication skills. Methods matter. Exact prevalence rates of mental health disorders are often difficult to pinpoint due to methodological differences between studies. Differences in how the data is collected, who the data is collected from, and the research question being asked can account for inconsistencies in findings. Due to these differences, prevalence rates are often presented as a range of percentages. The mental health profiles of children and youth in Canada can vary and are influenced by individual and environmental variables. Researchers often try to differentiate between populations of children and youth who have different individual variables and have been exposed to different environmental variables in order to determine if specific variables are associated with mental health disorders. One population of children and youth who seem to regularly report higher rates of mental health diagnoses are those children and youth involved in the child welfare system. Methods matter. Sometimes researchers can control variables to test whether or not there is a relationship between two other variables. For example, in a population of children and youth with mental health disorders, Researchers can control for age, gender, ethnicity, neighborhood, and so on. Once these factors are controlled and do not influence the outcomes, researchers can determine if the variable involvement with child welfare has a significant effect on the prevalence rate of a mental health disorder. Children and Youth in Care When examining the mental health disorders of children and youth living in out-of-home care, the prevalence rates tend to be much higher than the general population. In the literature, the prevalence rate of mental health disorders for children and youth living in out-of-home care 
have ranged between 32 and 87 percent. These estimations are between two to six times higher than the normative population. These findings are concerning, as this population of children and youth are some of the most vulnerable individuals. Without the proper treatment for these mental health disorders, this population of children are on a difficult trajectory, which may impact long-term outcomes in their lives. It has been found that children and youth with a mental health disorder are less likely to be adopted than those without a mental health disorder and are up to three times more likely to be placed in privately operated resource settings, as opposed to CAS-operated direct foster care. More restrictive placement settings and placement instability are not the only concerns with this population. Children and youth with mental health disorders are at an increased likelihood of becoming involved with the juvenile justice system. In a study completed by Gretton and Cliff in British Columbia, Canada, almost 100% of incarcerated youth had at least one of the following mental health concerns. Substance use, aggressive form of conduct disorder, childhood physical abuse, childhood sexual abuse, suicidal ideation, depression, and or ODD. These risks may continue into adulthood after the child has aged out of the child welfare system. For example, adults previously involved with the child welfare system and diagnosed with a mental health disorder while involved with the system are more likely to perpetrate intimate partner violence, have an increased likelihood of suicide, have a two to seven times increased risk of drug dependence, and even have an increased risk of future medical concerns, such as heart disease, high blood pressure, diabetes, or cancer. Children and youth involved with the child welfare system often have experienced past maltreatment and trauma. These experiences and challenges can influence their mental, emotional, and behavioral states. Several factors may influence the likelihood that children and youth living in out-of-home care will show higher rates of challenging emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Neglect or abuse. A large proportion of children and youth living in out-of-home care have experienced neglect and or abuse at the hands of their biological caregivers, which can impact their emotional state. In the 2008 Canadian Incident Study, it was estimated that 34% of children and youth living in out-of-home care have experienced neglect as their primary maltreatment type, and 32% have experienced physical, emotional, or sexual abuse as their primary maltreatment type. These experiences can cause short- or long-term emotional damage as children and youth try to cope with the neglect or abuse they endured. For example, the Canadian Incident Study has reported that children and youth who have been abused have higher rates of depression or anxiety, aggression issues, and ADHD compared to youth who have not been abused. In another study, Leverick and colleagues found that 49% of women and 36% of men diagnosed with bipolar disorder had a history of physical and or sexual abuse in childhood. Trauma or separation Children and youth who have been removed from their homes and separated from primary caregivers are often at greater risk of displaying negative emotions, behaviors, and thoughts. Attachment systems that may not have developed properly in the home with caregivers or that were compromised during separation from caregivers, may cause the child or youth distress. It has been found that 14% of children in substantiated maltreatment investigations experienced attachment issues. These attachment and or separation issues may exacerbate intense feelings of sadness, rage, or fear, all of which can be mistakenly diagnosed as a mental health disorder when entering a new home with new caregivers.
Children and youth who have been exposed to trauma within the home may also display coping symptoms that are consistent with symptoms used to diagnose mental health disorders appearing in the DSM-5. For example, internalizing behaviors such as self-harm, depression, or withdrawal behaviors, and externalizing behaviors such as aggression and defiance may be displayed in reaction to trauma, but could also be diagnosed as something other than post-traumatic stress disorder. Family History of Mental Illness Having a parent who has been diagnosed with a mental health disorder can increase the likelihood that a child will display symptoms associated with a diagnosable mental health disorder. The etiology of mental health disorders can have a biological as well as an environmental component, which is important to recognize when working with children and youth living in out-of-home care. In 2008, the Canadian Incident Study found that 27% of substantiated cases of maltreatment had at least one caregiver diagnosed with a mental health disorder. Parents coping with their own mental health difficulties may have less predictable parenting practices that can influence how they interact with their own children, in results influencing the child's behaviors. In this case, treating or focusing on strengthening the environment and parents' abilities to manage the child may be a better strategy than treating the behaviors of the individual child. Factors that may influence diagnosis. It is often difficult for professionals to discern which thoughts, emotions, and behaviors are diagnosable disorders, and which are a product of maltreatment, trauma, or separation from a primary caregiver. When professionals are diagnosing a mental health disorder in children and youth living in out-of-home care, there are several factors that may influence the rates of diagnosis. Lack of medical history. Many children and youth who come into out-of-home care may not have a full and comprehensive record of their medical history. Perhaps the information is not available from the biological caregiver, or a comprehensive history may not exist. Without a full understanding of the child's medical background, needs, and past care, it may be difficult for professionals to get a clear view of what may or may not be going on with the child or youth. Without this background information, the professional is often left treating the symptoms and behaviors that the patient is currently experiencing or displaying. This gap in information can potentially lead to misdiagnoses or oversights of important individual or environmental factors influencing the child's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Lack of consistent caregiver. The lack of a consistent caregiver or understanding of the child or youth's background can lead to both overdiagnoses and underdiagnoses of mental health disorders. For example, when a youth is not in a stable placement, mental health issues may go undiagnosed, as no one may know the youth well enough to notice the indicators of a disorder. Also, in order to obtain a diagnosis for many disorders, symptoms must be present for a long period of time. Without a consistent caregiver to monitor behaviors throughout time, it is difficult to gather a full understanding and pattern of the child's behaviors and concerns may be overlooked. Contrary to this, without a consistent caregiver monitoring the child or youth's behavior, behaviors the child or youth may be displaying at a specific point in time may be assumed to be due to a mental health disorder, while in reality the behaviors are a byproduct of separation, maltreatment, or trauma. This situation can result in new caregivers misreading the cause of the behaviors and seeking help for mental health professionals prematurely. In Halley's report on America's psychotropic drug crisis, she states that the risk of overmedication is at its highest when none of the adults involved in a foster child's care takes full responsibility for the child's welfare. 
Primary Care Physicians Due to the nationwide shortage of child and adolescent psychiatrists over the past decade, there has been an increase in primary care physicians and mental health professionals diagnosing mental health disorders and recommending treatment to children and youth living in out-of-home care. Without the proper training, situations where the child or youth is misdiagnosed or prescribed treatment that is not best suited for their needs may occur. Also, with placement changes often comes the change of primary care physician or mental health professional. As a child moves from their home with the biological caregiver to a new placement, they may lose contact with those who are most familiar with their medical background. During this difficult transition for the child or youth, the new attending physician may not get a clear picture or understanding of the child's problems. This can lead to prematurely diagnosing a child or youth with a mental health disorder. This change in physician or mental health professional can occur between every placement that the child has, which makes it very difficult for each new physician to get a comprehensive picture of the child or youth. Availability of alternative treatments Children and youth living in out-of-home care may not be able to access alternative treatments for their mental health disorder, which may make the prescription of medications the easiest line of treatment. Even though it has been found that medications are best used when paired with a psychotherapeutic treatment, it is often difficult for new placements and caregivers to ensure that the child is receiving alternative treatments. If the child is having a difficult time transitioning to his or her new placement, he or she may refuse to participate in alternative treatments. Other factors, such as the cost of treatment, scheduling, and ratio of staff to clients, particularly in group homes or treatment foster homes, may make it difficult for caregivers to follow through with an alternative treatment plan. Prior to diagnosing children and youth who live in out-of-home care with mental health disorders, it is important to recognize how their past experiences may have influenced their emotional, mental, and behavioral states. If professionals try to attach a diagnostic label to these feelings and behaviors prematurely, it can hinder natural and normal coping mechanisms. Therefore, it is important to determine if these emotional, mental, and behavioral states are temporary and a normal reaction to their experiences, or if these behaviors are diagnosable and require more intensive treatments. Understanding their past experiences and how they are currently coping can help determine the best route of treatment or intervention. Unfortunately, some foster caregivers or supporting agencies may also take advantage of how they are reimbursed for their services. In both Canada and the United States, Child welfare systems make reimbursement payments to individuals and agencies caring for children and youth living in out-of-home care. Child welfare agencies tend to make larger payments to those individuals and agencies who are caring for children and youth who have been diagnosed with a mental health disorder. It is with the hope that these foster caregivers or supporting agencies are not taking advantage of this reimbursement plan and needlessly diagnosing youth living in their care. Being an advocate for the children and youth you work with and strictly following standards of care is crucial to help manage your client's mental health needs as well as protect them from premature diagnoses and misdiagnoses. Thinking critically, what are some underlying reasons as to why children or youth living in out-of-home care may have higher diagnoses of mental health difficulties? How often do you or your organization consider your client's past experiences when assessing current mental health state? What types of behaviors or emotions do you associate with mental health difficulties? Where did this knowledge come from? 
What is your or your organization's first step of action if a child or youth in your care is displaying symptoms associated with a mental health disorder? What types of services or treatments do you or your organization recommend for children and youth who are displaying mental health difficulties? Common Treatments for Children and Youth with Mental Health Concerns Even though there are large proportions of children and youth involved in the child welfare system that have mental health needs severe enough to require service, only a small proportion of children and youth actually access these services. For example, according to the National Survey of Child and Adolescent Well-Being, 47.9% of children in the child welfare system had clinically significant emotional or behavioral problems, yet only 16% of them utilized mental health services. As the prevalence rates of children and youth experiencing mental health disorders increase, the practice and research exploring different treatment options is also expanding. Most commonly, therapeutic treatments that help the individual mentally understand and cope with distressing symptoms and medicinal treatments that biologically help ease distressing symptoms by altering brain and body chemistry are used. Many professionals vouch for and prescribe a regimen of both therapeutic and medicinal treatments to help treat mental health disorders, yet availability and adherence to both treatments is intermittent in this population. Therapeutic treatments. Predominantly called psychotherapy, these types of treatments focus on an individual's thoughts, feelings, and behaviors associated with a mental health disorder. There is a wide range of psychotherapy types that have been found to be effective in treating mental health disorders. Psychotherapy treatments are administered by mental health professionals and can vary depending on the needs of the individual client. The goal of psychotherapy is to help the client better understand their behaviors and emotions, identify events or problems that can contribute to their mental health disorder, regain a sense of control over their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, and to learn and strengthen coping techniques and problem-solving skills in order to modify their thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Different types of psychotherapy are further discussed in Part 4 of this literature review series, which you can find in print format at parkcanada.org. This literature review is titled Mental Health of Children and Youth, Psychotherapeutic Treatments and Program Evaluation. Medicinal Treatments To help alleviate symptoms, children and youth are often prescribed psychotropic medication. Many of the adverse childhood experiences that children and youth living in out-of-home care experience cannot be resolved alone with psychotropic medication, yet have proven to be helpful in managing distressing symptoms that are associated with specific disorders. These medications can be helpful to regulate a child or youth's brain and body prior to beginning therapeutic treatments, yet should not be the sole treatment used. The use of psychotropic medications to treat emotional and behavioral problems in children and youth has dramatically increased since the 1990s, rising from approximately 14 to approximately 20% over a 12-year period. This rise has occurred despite the fact that there is a lack of clear data supporting the safety and efficacy of many medications being used by children and youth. For example, approximately 85% of children diagnosed with ADHD, 60% of children diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and 57% of children diagnosed with depression are prescribed medications as their first line of treatment. It has also been found that many off-label types of medications are being prescribed without the Food and Drug Administration's approval for particular diagnoses or age groups. 
In the general population in North America, it has been estimated that between 2.5 and 6% of children and adolescents have been prescribed at least one psychotropic drug during their lifetime. However, when examining the use of medications in children in care, Zito and colleagues reported that the rate of psychotropic drug use among youth living in out-of-home care is 3 to 11 times higher than the general population. Even though medicinal treatments can be an effective tool to manage or stabilize symptoms, it has been suggested that medications are sometimes viewed by child welfare organizations and supporting systems as a quicker and easier method to manage behaviors, reduce aggression, and enforce compliance. Child welfare workers and foster parents may not be familiar with diagnoses and may not know how to or feel comfortable asking questions about diagnosis and treatment options. This is of significant concern as there has been much debate on the short and long-term effects of these medicines on the growing body and mind of a child or youth. Thinking critically, what are some of your personal beliefs and opinions about mental health disorders and treatments? What are your personal beliefs about therapeutic treatments, medicinal treatments? How may these beliefs influence the treatment of your clients? Is there a common belief or thought about therapeutic versus medicinal treatments for mental health disorders at your agency? How does this influence your decisions when working with clients with mental health disorders? Key Summary Points Children and youth living in out-of-home care are diagnosed with mental health disorders at a higher rate than children and youth living in the general population. It is important to understand why children and youth living in out-of-home care may display emotions and behaviors that can be mistakenly identified as a mental health disorder. There are several key factors that can influence the diagnosis of a mental health disorder in children and youth living in out-of-home care. You have been listening to the Parkcast series, episode 37, part 1, Mental Health of Children and Youth, an Overview. The Parkcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about and additional resources on this episode's topic, the Parkcast series, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org.